Zion, it's such a privilege to be here again today to talk to you guys as we continue our series on the temple and the table. And you know what? This is actually the second time I've recorded this message. You see, the first time I recorded this message, it was in front of the green screen at the church where we've got this little studio um, set up and I was wearing a blue shirt and it had flecks of green in it. And I went and I did the editing thing and you could see through my shirt. And I could make it that you couldn't see through my shirt, but then there'd be a big border of green round, and I thought, this is this is no good, I'll, I'll have to do it again. So here I am, this time I'm in my garden, swimming pool in the background, um, lovely summer's evening, I've just got home from a bike road, and I'm excited about the Word of God. Um, we're continuing our Temple and Table series. Um, if we read Acts chapter 2, it says this about the early believers. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. So the early believers, they used to go to the temple, they used to worship at the temple, worship the risen Saviour. And that's what we're calling the, the services we have at 1310 Racecourse Road. Um, though at the moment we're not having them because of um, Omicron and COVID and all those. It's a funny time we're living in. So we're actually focusing on our table meetings and that's the meeting together house to house and, and celebrating God house to house. So that's why we're doing this series on the temple and the table. And today my message is about priesthood. Priesthood. So what is a priest? Well, a priest is somebody who ministers before God. They minister before God. They can minister before God for themselves or they can minister before God on behalf of other people. And I just want to look at the priesthood and we're going to go back to the Old Testament and read about the priests of the nation of Israel. So we'll start in Exodus chapter 19 and it says this, verse 5, Now therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words which you are to speak to the children of Israel. So here God was talking to Moses, and he was telling Moses that his intention was for the whole nation of Israel to be a, kingdoms of, a kingdom of priests, to all the nation of Israel would be able to minister before God. But you might notice something about this verse. You see, it starts with an if. It says, now therefore, if. So if, if you see an if 
in the Bible, it often means that there's a condition attached to the promise of God. So it's so-called a conditional promise. Now God has unconditional promises in the Bible. Promises that he will do regardless of what we do. Uh, we're going to look at one in Genesis. Genesis chapter 8. God was talking to Noah after the flood and he tells him this. As long as earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. There's no if attached to that. God is going to do that. He even says in the verse before that, even though man is sinful, I am going to do this. That's an unconditional promise of God. And when we look over the next chapter, another unconditional promise of God. Again, talking to Noah immediately after the flood, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. Another unconditional promise of God. Um, he's going to do it. We are safe we're not going to get flooded here in Te Awamutu, in my backyard, unless something happens to my pool. Okay, then we might see some waterworks. But he's not going to destroy the earth by a flood. That's an unconditional promise. But there's a lot of the promises in the Bible are actually conditional. If you do something, then God will do something else. You know, God will fulfill his promises. But there is something that we have to do on our behalf. One of the conditional promises that I love, we find in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Now, this was talking to the nation of Israel, um, but it actually also applies to the church. And it says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear, hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Guys, New Zealand needs healing. The church is God's people in this nation. They are the people called by his name. And if we humble ourselves, if we pray, God has a promise to heal this land. Guys, if that's not a call to prayer, I don't know what is. That's a conditional promise. If my people will pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal the land. The, the promise of priesthood to the whole nation of Israel was also a conditional promise. And it didn't take long for the people of Israel to break that promise. Um, if, in fact, we turn over, it's still in the book of Exodus, about 13 chapters later, chapter 32. And if you're reading the NIV, which is the um, translation I'm looking at today, um, it's titled The Golden Calf. And you see the backstory to this is that Moses has gone up a mountain. He's gone up to Mount Sinai and he's receiving the Ten Commandments from God. And it takes a while. It takes a while for him to receive these commandments. And one of those commandments is that you shall not create an idol for yourself. And guess what the people of Israel were doing while he was up there receiving this commandment? They were melting down their gold and building an idol for themselves, a golden calf for them to worship. And so we're going to pick the story up at verse 26. 
Um, so Moses is talking to the people here. He says, So he stood at the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. So the Levites are a tribe within Israel. You see, Israel was made up of 12 different tribes. And one of the, one of the tribes was descended from a guy named Levi. And his descendants were called Levites. So all the Levites rallied to him. And he said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go to and fro through the camp, one to, from one end to another, each killing his brother, friend and neighbour. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 people died. Then Moses said, you have been set apart to the Lord today, for... You were against your own son's brothers, and he has blessed you this day. So the people of Levi, the people of the tribe of Levi, were prepared to forego what they would normally do in order to honour God. And the rest of the nation of Israel, they disobeyed God. So instead of the whole nation of Israel becoming priests, because of this incident, um, it became only the tribe of Levi that became priests. Only they were entitled to minister before God in his holy place and, and do the, the holy things. Because of this incident here we read in Exodus. And because of that, we get the book of Leviticus. Now, if you're reading the Bible, and, and some people, they get this Bible and they start from the beginning and they want to read to the end and they read Genesis and Genesis is a really exciting book. It talks about the creation. It talks about the flood. It talks about Abraham's promise as he goes from one land and finds a, a land of Israel. Then it's, it's an exciting book and about Joseph getting sold into slavery and then saving his brothers. Wow, awesome. And then you get the book of Exodus, and the Exodus is once again a, a really exciting book um, all about how the God rescues the people of um, Israel from Egypt and takes them out into the desert. Uh, amazing story. And then this is where people get unstuck, is they, they get to the book of Leviticus, and it, it's all about how to be a priest and what a priest does. You get gems like this in chapter 2. When anyone brings a grain offering to the Lord, their offering is to be the finest flour. They are to pour olive oil on it, put incense on it, and take it to Aaron's sons, the priests. The priest shall take a handful of the flour and oil together with all the incense and burn this as a memorial portion on the altar, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. You see, the whole book's a little bit like that. It's a bit dry. Um, all sorts of co commandments about how to do specific offerings and, and what priests do and how to become a priest. And I find it quite a challenging dry read. Some people, they absolutely love it. You see, there's, there's deep symbolism and there's, there's a reason God does things so way. And if you're into understanding the meaning behind it, you know, there's, there's such depth and richness there. But for the average person, 
Well, it's kind of boring, but hey, it's still there. But when you read the Bible, instead of going cover to cover, it's good to read with a study guide. And particularly if you're reading books like Leviticus, uh, one, you probably don't want to do it all at once, but two, if you have a study guide so you can understand what's God saying behind it, um, that's really helpful. Um, but I'd encourage you, read your Bible, but have a plan. Um, you know, try and get the most out of how you read your Bible. Don't just go from cover to cover. Have a, uh, a plan and get the most out of God's Word. So I'm not going to read the book of Leviticus to you because I think we're going to fall asleep or at least I'm going to fall asleep if I do that. However, what I will do, I'll summarize what it means to be a priest. So to be a priest for a start, you had to be of the right family. If you weren't of the right family, you couldn't be a priest. In fact, there's a guy in the Old Testament, if you want to do some extra reading, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, you come across a guy named Uzziah. And Uzziah wanted to be a priest. He wanted to do the priestly things. You'd think that's a pretty noble thing to do. Um, but he goes into the temple and he does those things and it ends very, very badly for him. Um, so that's some extra reading, or, or if you don't want to read that, why don't you look through our media, go back about three months and find a message called The Key to Overcoming Pride, and that's a message all about King Uzziah. But that's a preacher had to be of the right family, couldn't be any other family but the tribe of Levite, Levite. And even if you were of part of the tribe of Levite, depending what family line you're from, depends on what sort of priest you could be. Some of them were musicians. Some of them were doing the cleaning the utensils in the uh, temple. Some of them did this and some of them did that, but it, it was all to do with what family you're from is how you could minister before God. And it, but it wasn't even enough just to be of that family. You weren't born a priest. You had to be consecrated into that role. And what did the consecration involve? Well, the consecration involved, one, the slaughter of an animal, okay, and the blood of an animal. And two, you needed to be anointed with oil. So... Um, yeah, so nobody could be a priest apart from these Levites, and then they needed to be consecrated. But then what happened? I can tell you what happened. Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross, and he rose again, and he changed everything. And that includes what family we belong to. You see, when Jesus rode from the dead and when we accepted Jesus into our lives, we became of the right family. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and we by him we cry Abba Father the spirit himself testifies of our spirit that we are God's children so there we have it be through Jesus Christ we became 
God's children. We became adopted sons of God. So it's no longer do you have to be a Levite to be a priest, but we are God's children. We are of the right family. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that I am an adopted son of God. I am part of the right family. So now I can minister before God. Um, so I'm part of the right family. That ticks that box. In fact, we're all part of the, the family of God so we can minister before him. But then there's that consecration I was telling you about. How or how do you become consecrated? Well, one, there's the blood of a lamb. Well, we have the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ. So tick, yes, that. And then the, the last bit of the consecration was the anointing of oil. Guys, if you see oil written in the old, Old Testament, the New Testament equivalent, today's equivalent is the Holy Spirit. So if we are baptized by the Holy Spirit, tick another box. So here we are, we're now of the right family. We are also have the blood of the Lamb covering us and we are anointed by the Holy Spirit. So therefore we are all priests and we believe in the priesthood of all believers. In fact, uh, the, the church believes us so much. Do you know that's probably the main reason you can read? Because the church saw the damage it did when people couldn't read the scriptures for themselves. Uh, back in about the 1500s, 1600s, you had the Protestant Reformation. Um, and a lot of that was to do with people couldn't access the scriptures, could only the only the priests of the time could access the scriptures. So they thought, well, everyone needs to be able to read. Everyone needs to be able to access God's word. So therefore, you now have universal education. It's not just the rich that can access education. It's a global phenomenal, but it was started by the church because they believed in the priesthood of all believers. They wanted everyone to be able to read the Bible. Now, globally accepted thing. Something that Jesus Christ and his church brought about. Universal education. Awesome. So we're all priests. And the New Testament agrees with this. If we read 1 Peter 2 verse 5, it says this, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So here, Peter is telling the church, well, you are living stones You're in a spiritual house, and you are a holy priesthood. He's saying that the church, that we are a priesthood. And so because of that, no longer do we have to access God through someone else. No longer do we have to go to a Levite to get them to minister to God for us on our behalf. You see, in the Old Testament, if we had an offering or we wanted to take something to God, we had to go and find a priest and then they would take that on behalf of us. We don't need to do that anymore. We have access to God by ourselves because of the priesthood of all believers. Um, and that's because of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest. I want to read from Hebrews now, Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, 
since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Then let us approach the God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus Christ is the reason that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, that we can minister before God. And guys, we need to minister before God. Um, when we have our temple services in the building, we want to, we're focusing on creating an encounter space where you can minister before God. And it's our goal um, as leaders of Zion that we would emulate that in, in our table services as well. We really want people to have that encounter space, that strong sense of ministering before God, spending quality time before God. And look, we want you to have that on your own time too. You know, put worship music on, um, spend time reading the God. We, we think ministering before God is a really important thing for you to do so we want that you know the ministry of all saints is that we want to spend time ministering before God we want that to be a priority in your life and our life and the life of Zion the Zion church ministering before God so if we're all priests that means we can all minister before God but what does that look like does that look like me standing here and I'm ministering before God as I was talking about that encounter space I, I'm ministering before God oh God you're holy you're worshipping worthy of worship and then you get somebody else and they're standing over here and they're worshipping God and, and that's just between them and God and you get another person over here worshipping and ministering before God um, does it look like that well, it does, but it doesn't. You see, yes, we all need to minister before God, and that's important. Uh, but what does a priest do? They minister before God for themselves and for other people. You see, we need each other. You see, you need me to be able to minister to you, to bring a word in season, um, to pray for you when you need prayer. But I need you as well because you need to pray for me at times. Um, there's times when um, I'll be needing a word in season, I'll be needing encouragement, and I need you to minister to me uh, before God as well. So we actually need to minister, yes, for ourselves, but we also need to minister for one another, okay, and we all have gifts before God, um, and this is where we see the table service is really important, you see, with the temple services, um, often you get somebody like me at the front and I'll minister the word of God to you, um, or Pastor Phil, or whoever else it might be, and they will get a worship leader and a guitarist and, and they will worship. But a lot of people, they, there's not a lot of opportunity for us to minister to one another in that environment. However, at the table, much smaller group. Um, it's a, we can see it, you know, with the smaller group, you'll be able to bring your giftings. You'll be able to, to bring your, what God has gifted you. And, and look, let's read 
from 1 Corinthians to show you that you all have gifts. Now it says this, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different types of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are to the work of one and the same spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. So God has given you spiritual gifts and he, for me, He's given me a gift of teaching. You know, I'm able to bring the word. But he might have given you a greater measure of faith. He might have given you a greater measure of healing. So that when I'm sick, I can come to you. And you see, the table, table services allow us to minister to one another. Allow us to work out our gifts. The table um, services, they're one way we can work out our gifts, um, but we're thinking of others. And next time I'm preach, I'm going to develop that more about how we can further our gifts. And you see, God has given you gifts. He says he's given each one of us gifts. And if God is giving you a gift, you've got to use it. You see, there's a warning that Jesus said he he himself about not using God's gift. And we find that in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. He called his servants who and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. To another, one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So here you have three people, all of them given gifts before from this man. Um, and two of them put it to work and one of them hid it. Now I'm not going to read the whole story, but the guys that put it to work, they got praise because of what they've done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. But the one that just hid that gift in the ground, he got things like, you wicked, lazy servant. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gashing of teeth. So look, you have to use what God has given you. And the table services is one way we can minister to each other. And I look forward to speaking to you in a few weeks time where we're going to talk about other ways we can use God's gift. I'm excited about it. I love God's Word. I love getting into God's Word. I love expounding what God's shown me and, and teaching it to other people. So at the table, we minister to each other. And we can minister, we can receive ministry through each other and to each other. So minister to and minister through. And you see, things are changing. Where the temple services, we can't all do that. And things are changing. 
the days of consumer Christianity are gone. They didn't really work before, just going to church to see what you could get out of it. And But there's been a shift. That's no longer how it is. You see, revival is coming. God is going to pour out His Spirit on this nation, on Te Awamutu. And we want to be ready for it. And who is going to disciple those people who are going to be coming to Christ? Well, it's you. It's the people that already know Christ, the people that have a relationship. You're going to be needed to disciple these people. You're going to be needed to show people what Christ looks like. And look, this move of God is coming. We are sure of it. And you want to be part of it. So, yeah, do everything you can do to expand the gifts so that when, as God pours out His Spirit, you're not sitting on the sidelines thinking, oh, gosh, that's interesting. But you're part of the move of God that God is doing in this nation, in Te Awamutu. You are a minister of God, ministering before God, but also ministering to other people. And look, I just want to finish with some verses from Revelations, which once again talk about us being priests before God. And it says this, Revelations 1 verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest forever to serve his God and Father. To him being glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And I love this verse because it just reminds us that the reason we are priests is because of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. We are now priests able to minister before God. So thank you so much for watching. I just want to pray for you now. Lord, I thank you for everyone who spent time watching this. I pray that you that these words would um, expand in their heart. Lord, I pray your every blessing on them. I pray that they would minister before you and that they would be able to minister to other people and they would receive ministry through other people too. Bless everyone that's watching. I pray your favor on them. Hey, thank you very much. If you have any questions, please comment below or um, contact, message the church. Uh, we'd love to engage with you more. Um, you can find us at zionpeople.nz. Um, and look, I'd love it if you would subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Thank you very much.